welcome to the spoiler log and a link to the past randomizer podcast. I'm your host, Dante, and today is all about shooting your shot. I say that because I wasn't really sure if today's guest was actually going to have time to come on. And I thought maybe I've waited too late to try and send this invite. Luckily, Diesel gave me the honor of dedicating a little bit of time to recording, and it was an absolute blast. Uh, I knew he was great on the mic from, you know, talking with him in the past, seeing what he does at Speed Gaming, also at Games Done Quick, the way he interviews other people, and it was just an absolute honor to have him on, and I just want to make sure that's said. Super awesome to have him here, and interview is great. I'm going to stop talking uh, now, and I'm going to let you guys jump right on in, hear the interview. Let's get to it. Today on the spoiler log, we have a very special guest, the one and only Feasel. How are you today? Great. I'm doing great. How are you? I uh, can't complain. Uh, first off, I have to say thank you so much for accepting this invitation because I, I kind of was expecting you to say you were far too busy given how close we are to SGL. And I know in general, you're a very busy man. So uh, I'm, I'm really honored to have you here today. Oh, it's great. I'm happy to be here. So usually with these, what we like to do, we like to talk about people's uh, gaming history growing up, and I'll kind of do the same with you. Uh, were games a big part of your life, like in your childhood growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that's probably what I spent whatever free time I had doing. Um, I was a, an NES kid. Um, I got a, I guess I had an Atari when I was really little, but for the most part, I um, played NES games and mm -hmm. um, yeah, just a lot. I'd say at least once a week, my parents would let me rent a NES game and we would, um, you know, and that's, that's about all I would do, to be honest, <laughs> when I had some free time. And then, of course, got a Super Nintendo. Um, kind of, then I sort of switched to PS1 a little bit after that. I never, I never really had an N64 until like way later on when I became an adult and speedrunner and such. Um, but uh, yeah, it was PlayStation 1. And then I kind of like took a long break for a while and, you know, went to school and, or, you know, went to college and did a bunch of stuff right. that kind of took me away from it. And then um, sort of after that, I kind of came back to it again, started revisiting those games. And that's kind of when I got into speed running. So uh, I guess like for the Super Nintendo and like the, the regular Nintendo, were there any games like that you recall sticking out as kind of like leaving like a lasting impression on you as a kid? Mm, man, I liked the really weird ones. Like I liked uh, like Swords and Serpents and Deadly Towers. That's kind of the odd ones. Um, Super mm -hmm. Nintendo, I liked um, Populous. I liked Act Razor. Um, I mean, I liked the main series games and things like that, but uh, I, I, I think I got I was the most interested in the kind of the mo more different games. Sure. So we're we're Actraiser and Populous. Are they? I've actually honestly never heard of these. Are they kind <laughs> of like a RPG style, or you know, um, I guess give me a little bit of the genre. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so Actraiser, it's like two games in one. Half of it is sort of a SimCity like game, and the other half of it is. Uh, it's like a side-scrolling, uh, side-scrolling platformer, like hack and slash game. Um, it kind of melded into one. Populous is weird. It's a it's a top-down real-time strategy game. I think okay. of it like imagine it's like Warcraft, except you can't control any of the units. You just kind of control the general vibe, and the units sort of do what you know what what the uh, you've indicated you want them to do. It's kind of a okay. weird, like disconnected sort of RTS game. Uh, it's very strange. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being uh, rather difficult. <laughs> just yeah, by that description. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess like fast forwarding just a little bit, PlayStation, uh, you mentioned you had one of those oh as well. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people like to say the PlayStation has not aged very well as far as like, you know, replayability beyond what? the like nostalgia factor. Where are the people uh, but, who say that? Show me them. That's not um, true. <laughs> there's a lot of people see in our community, there's, you know, mostly those SNES people. And so I think the SNES maybe has, uh, I'm biased here, but the SNES has probably aged the best out of all the retro consoles. Uh, and a lot of people, okay. a lot of people like to say that the 64 and the PS one maybe haven't aged the best because that, you know, first foray into 
the the 3D world, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say th- I would say the PlayStation did that better than the N64 did, from what <laughs> I can did. tell, looking back <laughs> at it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I my my favorite um, PlayStation One games were probably probably the Spiral of the Dragon series. And I liked Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver, and both of those I've had the the joy of having played again more recently. And I thought they held up fine, but maybe I've got okay. kind of different standards about these games, I suppose. I mean, every you know, this is this is what's great about gaming is that, you know, everybody can have an opinion and it's not wrong. Uh, it's all about what you enjoy. So mm-hmm. um, that's fantastic. Um, you mentioned you you took a break for college. I'm assuming, you know, at that given time, it was kind of focus on my studies. Uh, you know, had that goal in mm-hmm. mind and, you know, just didn't have gaming on the radar. But when you came back, um, what what did you jump into? Were you trying to jump into like modern consoles for that era or were you going back to these retro games at that point? I was t- well, I was still so I don't know. I j- the jump back in was a little bit weird because I uh, m- mostly retro. I so I pulled out. Mm-hmm. I know I kept my my NES and SNES with me and I took, you know, all the different places I moved, took them with me and I kept meaning to break it out. And eventually I, I, I did, but, but before, before that, I'd say probably the, the only, or like the serious gaming that I did in maybe like the mid two thousands, um, I got really into like into dance games. I got really into DDR. Um, Oh wow. Had, okay. Yeah. My, uh, one of my roommates had a PS two with, um, uh, uh, max and extreme ddr max and ddr extreme and we played the heck out of those and then i got kind of obsessed with like getting perfect scores in all these in in on all the songs like which i never managed to do for either game but i got with like 80 <laughs> something percent of those songs i managed to get perfect scores on so this was probably my first experience with ever like doing something you know competitive i guess with gaming as opposed to sure. just like beating games and so, yeah, I kind of, I like, had a big whiteboard in my, in my room and I would just like, I wrote all the songs and like the best score or best score I could get on them. And I would just practice. I like every day I would, I would do this. I could get up in the morning and do these songs. And I made myself a kind of like a custom dance pad. Like I took one of the roll up, you know, the crappy roll up PS2 right. dance pads. And I, I, you know, kind of took it apart a little bit and I tacked the components to, um, to a, a big, uh, board, a big, heavy, solid board. And I gave mm-hmm. myself a little feedback by making little pads for like under the arrows so I could feel where they were without having to look at them. And I got it real accurate. And then I went at trying to, trying to get perfect scores on all the songs. And yeah, so I got, I got super into that, which is just kind of out of nowhere, just like at random. Cause you know, my roommate just happened to have the game and I was like, ah, oh, this is what I'm going to do now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome to hear. Um, you know, especially coming like, on my side, I, I've been playing rhythm games since 2004 when I got into them and uh, been playing some version of a dance game since then competitively. So hearing, you know, kind of hearing that from you kind of is a little bit, I don't know, starstruck for me. It's like, wow, I yeah. didn't know, you know, Fiesel ever played this. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got into it around the same time, I guess. And um, and and that was like, yeah, and I this was before I'd considered speed. I didn't even know what speedrunning was then. And this is before I even really started playing my NES again or anything like that. It's, yeah, that's just what I was doing. And then sometime around, like, I guess it was around 2006, 2007, I got my NES out and I just, like, just started playing various games on it, but um, mostly Contra. I think that was probably, like, because this was, was a game that I, I had a hard time beating when I was a kid without the lives code. So I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm going to get the NES out. And I'm going to learn to beat, I'm going to beat Contra without using the 30 lives code. Like that's what my goal was going to be. And so I just like would leave the game on like all the time. And anytime I had a moment, you know, I'd turn like the TV back on and I would just, you know, grab the controller and play a little bit more of it and whatnot. And eventually got to the point where I could, could, could do it. And then the game kind of loops you around back to the beginning. So I'm like, all right, Right. can I do it again? Can I beat the game two times without running out of continues? Can I beat it three times? And it didn't take me long to realize that games become a lot easier when you know exactly where all the enemies are going to spawn and where to jump and where to shoot. And it just kind of happened naturally that I sure. ended up just sort of like routing and then speed running this game. And I, at the, and then after I had done that, I was like, oh, I should, I wonder how long it take me. And I start, you know, this is like 2007. So there wasn't a heck of a lot of speed run scene. I had never heard mm-hmm. of a speed run before. 
but I, I had like a timer. So I'm like, all right, I'll just see how long it take me. And I start timing myself and seeing if I do it faster and faster. Then eventually I got the, the idea that like, well, wait, I wonder if anyone else has ever thought of this. I should like look on YouTube. I should look online and see if anyone's, you know, has done this with, with Contra or anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And um, basically I started finding a lot of videos from Speed Demos Archive. This is the first time I'd, you know, found out the Speed Demos Archive existed. And also TAS videos. I found a lot of TASs too. Actually, at the time it was called NES videos. Um, okay. Because I guess the TAS video, TASing sort of started in the NES scene and then they kind of broadened that website. But it's the same website that is now TAS videos. They used to call it NES videos. So I saw, saw a bunch of videos from there, which kind of led me to those sites, which led me to the SDA forums, which then led me to like, oh, the, whole, the other people who were trying to do the thing that I'm doing. So that's sort of what kind of got me into speed running. <laughs> Uh, to begin with there. Gotcha. So um, uh, take me down uh, a little further into that journey as you, mm-hmm. you know, meet up, meet up with these people online, you know, have this common connection. Do you start branching out to attempting to speed run other games? Do you see how far you can take games like Contra? Yeah. So I guess with Contra, yeah, once I had kind of gotten to the point where I was pretty happy with it, I started looking at some other games uh, even before I had gotten onto the SDA forums, I was already starting to play some Double Dragon 2 because I just, for whatever reason, I decided that was the next game I wanted to, to see how mm-hmm. well I could do it. And at that point, I definitely intended to speedrun it. So I kind of made up this whole, like, I made up a whole, like, spreadsheet of keeping track of for each of the enemy types, how many, you know, how much damage do each of the different moves do on it and to see if I could kind of plan out. So I'm like, all right, this time I'm going to, like, plan out exactly what moves do I do against each enemy in this game and I kind of planned myself out a route and I started, um, I started recording that all the recordings that I was doing at that time I did with a webcam that I just pointed at the TV. And <laughs> wow. so it's funny. I still have some of these recordings and it's really funny cause I can like when the screen goes black, I can sort of like see the reflection of myself and I look back and like, uh-huh. I'm like, Oh wow. What was going through that guy's head back then? You know, <laughs> way back all those years ago. 16 years ago, 17 years ago, whatever it is now. Wow. Oh, it's pretty so, amazing. <clears throat> so yeah. I, I assume you were on kind of like the cutting edge of Twitch and like Justin TV as that's coming out. Uh, am, am I right in that assumption? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, I was. And uh, I guess let's see if I, what I can remember about that. So I didn't get the idea to stream until I went to the first uh, AGDQ, um, 2010, okay. I went there and, and they were streaming, obviously they're streaming to, oh God, what was it? It wasn't Justin. Oh, why is this on the top of my head? I can't remember this. It's a site that we, everyone used before Justin. Ustream. Ustream, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's I it. Remember, I remember Ustream. Right. So that was what, that's what everyone, that, that's what they were streaming to. And I was just like, oh, that's that's a good idea. Like I could do that too. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, I just didn't like that. I, I went back home and I just did, you know, was just working on my own at that point. I was really like heavily into, um, SDA stuff. And I'd already, you know, I'd moved on from those, those games to, um, Bionic Commando, Adventures of Lolo, River City Ransom, Snake Rattle and Roll, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. There's a whole bunch of other, like once I got the speed running bug in me, I was, mm-hmm. you know, just, just trying to think of what's, what's the next favorite game I can think of from my childhood. Go get it. You know, like a go, go dig yeah. out of the box and let's do it. So by then I was a pretty prolific submitter to SDA, which is why Mike Uyama reached out to me to, to join uh, in that first GDQ. Um, so yeah, I went back home and I just had so many speedrun projects. I didn't even bother with the streaming. And then a year goes by and I went to the next day GDQ in 2011. And after that, um, I learned that uh, Speedruns Live existed. Um, that's because okay. people were talking about it. That, and so as soon as I got home from that, I'm like, okay, this is obviously the thing I need to be doing now. So got on Speedruns Live, made an account, I started racing, I started streaming because that was kind of part of it. Not people didn't always stream back then, but I was. I thought, you know, this is this is the next evolution here. You use Speedruns Live to manage your races and you stream so right. everyone can see what's going on. So I started streaming to UStream uh, and. Back then I wasn't, or at least maybe there was an OBS, but I sure didn't know about it. So we were using, (laughs) um, most people used FMLE, Flash Media Live Encoder, 
um, which was kind of cool, but like you couldn't put more than one element on the screen at a time. So you couldn't show like your timer. So you just show your oh, wow. screen or at least in, <laughs> or in, in order to do, yeah, in order to get multiple elements on the screen, you had to use like a different program to do the scene composition. And then you would capture that window with FMLE. And it was kind of a this convoluted process. Um, but I could stream and I could use my mic. And eventually once I figured out how to make composed scenes, I could add a webcam to it, but, um, yeah, streaming on Ustream. And then there was just kind of like all at once, everyone just kind of dumped Ustream and went to Justin. Like it's it's hard to explain. There was no like real polarizing like moment. It was just kind of like one, one day just like enough of like your friends said like, Oh, we're going to be on Justin now that everyone else was just like, okay, this is what we're doing. So everyone just jumped, <laughs> jumped over and you stream. I don't know what happened to it. I haven't been back. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, it's been ages since I've been to it as well. So yeah. I, I don't even know if it still exists. It, I mean, it probably doesn't right. Stream services don't last very long if they're not Twitch, but, um, right. But yeah, it was, we're all on Justin and then, I don't know. Then one day Justin just said our name is changing to Twitch. And I was like, Oh, that's a dumb name, but okay. So we're, <laughs> we're all on Twitch now. And then nothing really, I mean, lots of things changed after that Twitch, you know, added monetization It added sub emotes is various things that it, it added. But for us streaming to Justin versus streaming to Twitch, it was just same thing. Really no real change there. Right. Yeah. Having the medium is kind of what you know the, <laughs> yeah. the main end goal is for, for speed running. And, uh, it's interesting to know. I, I never knew how far back SRL actually went. So knowing it goes all the way back to at least 2011 is is pretty awesome. Yeah, to I hear. think 2009. I actually, I, I have somewhere I looked this up because I used to have a bot on Speedruns Live. I used to maintain Milkshake Bot, uh, and it scraped the entire database of all the races. And I took particular interest in the very, very first ones when it's just like the OOT people and the SM64 people. Mm-hmm. Cause it was originally just made by, you know, a couple of people just to do races with fr- their friends and it kind of gradually expanded. And so I looked back at those old races and yeah, I think I want to say it was 2009 or maybe late 2008. And it was not very many at first, like every couple of weeks, someone would do a race, but then yeah, around two, somewhere between 2010 and 2011, it just kind of, you know, it just, it, every year, every, it, like the number of races doubled every year from like 2000, like 2010 on to 2015, right. we'll say like it was on a steep rise before it eventually, you know, kind of tapered off. Sure. So, you know, I, I guess now you mentioned being part of GDQ in 2010, or at least at the, the event, uh, kind of at its early, I, I want to say probably earliest inception. Um, and, yeah. you know, you it, now, if someone turns into G, tunes into GDQ, they probably see Fiesel on the mic in between uh, in between runs or interviewing runners. So mm-hmm. what has your involvement been like uh, with with that event from from way back up until present day? Kind <laughs> of broad view, kind of broad view, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, I'm going to GDQ. Yeah. So, I mean, I was. Uh, I, you know, I. I like the number one thing I cared about was just being the best speedrunner I could be. And really okay. like the thing that you do when you are the best is you present your game at GDQ. And so that was my goal every year was just to like, just get world records and submit all these runs to GDQ and then do them all live. Like that's every year what I wanted to do. And, um, I guess people liked what I had to offer because uh, I got, I would end up getting a lot of runs in. I would get, you know, maybe an average of four runs in each GDQ. In those early years, there were fewer submitters. It's not like now where there's, you know, right. 10,000 run submissions, but, um, but yeah, I get would, a lot and it'd be so like, it'd be so much work. I'd practice and practice. And then like, I'd get to the event and I would practice the entire time. Like, cause every day, like almost every day I'd have a run. And, um, yeah, so it was a lot of, it was a big, it was a big effort, but I loved it. It was like basically my favorite thing that I did, you know, all year I would, you know, just go out there and bring my Nintendo set up and just, just practice and practice and practice and do my runs. Um, there was a period of time for, I, I mean, I don't know, neither of these are true anymore, but up 
there was up to some point in time, I was the only person with an un, unbroken GDQ record. I think up until 2019 was the first one I missed. Or no, it was mm-hmm. HDQ, or no, 2017. It was okay. AGDQ 2018 was the first one that I missed. Um, so I'd been to all of them for the, you know, nearly wow. for whatever, eight years up to then. Uh, and the SGDQs. Uh, and I, I think up till that point in time, I was the person with the most number of runs total in GDQ. Like it was like me and then Andrew G and PJ or something like that. It was a quite a quite a crowd to be counted among. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but um, somewhere in the middle there, uh, like twenty. When did I start working? Like doing interviews and stuff. Um, it would have been twenty. 2015 or 16, I want to say 2015, maybe 2016. It was one of those days, one of those years. Um, but basically when GDQ had grown to the point where they thought it'd be worth having, you know, something to fill in some of these setup times and do some interviews. So they just asked right. a couple of people in the speedrun community if you'd like to do it. And I said, okay, sure. Why not? Cause I was, you know, into the like, say yes to every project uh, mode at that time, which was, was a good place to be at that time. Um, so yeah, I did that and it kind of, I mean, it kind of grew steadily from there. Like, I guess people liked it or at least GDQ liked it. And so they just, you know, had us do it more and more. And so here I am today. We do uh, a pre-show, which is basically like a, say 25 minute long, um, little like introduction show that kicks off the event. Right. Uh, and then we do interviews in between, in between the, uh, the, the runs. So that's, yeah. that's pretty awesome. I mean, like, you know, I guess, did you have any experience, you know, interviewing people or was it just kind of your experience at that point of, you know, being on the stage so much and mm-hmm. maybe talking through your runs uh, in front of all these people, you know, at the time, I'm sure that that had pressure to begin with, but maybe, maybe you kind of acclimated to that. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I think it's this, what they were looking for was the second, cause there were lots of other, there were lots of people who were well-known speedrunners, more well-known than myself, I'd say at that point, And, you know, uh, more talented, but I think that they were reaching out to people who they knew were comfortable being on stage and right. been talking in front of a lot of people. Um, so, you know, people who were, you know, not just uh, with experience as streamers, but experience as GDQ performers. And so, cause a lot sure. of the people they uh, invited to that first set of, of interviewers were, were people who had done a lot of runs at GDQ and done well with them. And yeah, cause that, that is the main thing I, I think because like I, we're all smart enough to interview people about speed runs it's more just a matter of not being you know daunted by the number of people watching or not right. you know being thrown off if you like make a mistake or something like that and that was definitely the, like i i would say that that was one of the, the things that streaming has really and, and doing these gdq runs has really given me is it, it, like the the comp confidence to just get up in front of people and not really worry about how many people are watching or listening and just be confident that I know what I'm doing because yeah you know you're only human too tough, so right, we're human but yeah you gotta you gotta be like hardened to like okay I'm in front of as a hundred thousand people is it ten thousand I don't care it doesn't matter I know how to play this game just sit down and play the game it's fine like yeah. you need that, that kind of like just just relax don't think about it you know kind of mentality. And, uh, yeah, I think they picked good people for that. So tell me, uh, I guess now, uh, you've done that for a while, you know, you're still doing it today. We've, we've transitioned most people in the ALTTPR community, you know, kind of know your name from creating speed gaming and kind of being, you know, I'm assuming CEO, uh, maybe that's the proper title, um, (laughs) for, for the, uh, the network, so what kind of gave you that idea to try and take a project like this and get it off the ground? Wow. Yeah. I think I was just wanting to do, I just wanted to do different things. Like I, I wanted to make new things that people hadn't seen before. Like I just, I wanted to get, I, you know, I wanted to just kind of get out ahead of the curve. That's was really my, my goal. Um, the speed gaming, the speed gaming network started is it came in many stages. Like I would say that it, the, really the thing that kicked off the whole process 
was back when I met a, a runner named Flicky back in 2012, I want to say. I met him at GDQ. Um, was mm-hmm. a speedrunner. He was a runner. He ran Bayonetta at the, the that event. And he like he had this idea that he wanted to start a speedrun podcast. And he didn't know with who, but he knew that like this is the this is the idea. Like this is what we're gonna do. And so we recruited myself, uh, PJ, uh, and Duckfist as I think we were those were the original ones as uh, hosts of it. And okay. we started a podcast called the Sunday Sequence Break. And this, um, so basically, like you know, he was the idea behind it. And so we all got together. And we did this podcast once a week. We record it. We um, broadcast live on Twitch, and we would record the record the whole thing and post it to the podcast platforms. And that ran from, I think, 2013 to 2016, something like that. We put out okay a uh, hundred and something episodes all together. And basically it'd be a podcast where it'd be half and a half podcast. So half the podcast, we would talk about w- world records. So people would submit their world records and we would get just a huge spreadsheet of all these world records. And we would just go down through the list and We'd play a clip from each one, or not every one of them, but from a lot of them, we would take clips from videos sure. and put together a little montage, and we would all just kind of talk over it and just have fun and, and you know, give congratulations to people who had taken records that week. And then the other half, we would have a, spe- a person coming in talking about a specific game, and they would bring in, they would bring a couple of videos that would be sort of illustrative of what gameplay looks like, and they would sort of talk about the history of speedrunning it and what are some of the big glitches and you know, standards like standard stuff nowadays with, with, you know, speed run podcasts. But at the time I don't know of any other speed run podcasts. I think we might've been it. So it was really cool okay. for me to like break ground, trying to do that and like do something very different. And, you know, we had a lot of fans of it. So people were enjoying it. And then at some point after a couple of years of doing that, I had like an idea that I brought to my co-host and I was like, I want to do like a special edition where we do like a, like a, like a gaming contest. And cause I'd done these like mystery tournaments on, on speed demos archive on SDA. Um, it was mm-hmm. all run through the forums and it was pr- prior to streaming or prior to most people streaming. So it was just kind of a sort of on the honor system, but basically it'd be a, like a mystery. It'd be like a seven week mystery contest and each week they would like Sunday night they would release what's the game and what's the goal and by the end of the next Sunday you would have to post your best time or your best score or whatever it was in that game and then they announce the next one and so basically I liked the idea that you had like a limited amount of time so it's kind of it's not it's it's sort of halfway between like a regular speed run like regular speed run leaderboard competition and like a race or like a blind race Cause like everyone was blind to the game. They'd pick obscure games that no one would have had experience with. And, you know, but so it's basically all about like in a limited amount of time, how well can you route the game? How well can you train yourself? How well can you, uh, you know, how well can you do your attempts, you know, using your time right. efficiently. And I thought that that was really cool to sort of show something in between racing and, and full on leaderboard competition where there's still a little bit of that kind of blind element to it. Um, uh, between blind racing and leaderboard competition. And I thought, all right, I want to do show like that. That's what I want to do. Um, not quite that format, but instead what I wanted to do is give people games with limited amount of time and then give them a very short goal that they could learn to do well. And I wanted to do that on two different timescales. One of the timescales was a week and, and I would give them like a five minute goal to do. And the other timescale was on an hour. Like how well can you learn a game in an hour? versus okay. you know a week. And so each week we would have a couple of contestants on and one of the games they would have heard about a week before and the other game they hear about that day. Like they show up like an hour before recording and we give them the goal and they just practice. And then we go through and we have a little contest where they do, you know, they do their goals of these of these games. And I called it Speed Gaming League. SGL, which is now we call SGL Speed oh, Gaming Live. Okay. Back then, SGL was Speed Gaming League. Um, I, it's just coincidence. I would have called it Speed Gaming Live even if there was no Speed Gaming League. It's just a coincidence sure. that they're both SGL. Um, 
so we called Speed Gaming League and we set up, you know, kind of a, like a regular season where we would just get, you know, whoever could make it that week, we would just get them in there. And then we would have like a big, like bracket kind of contest at the end of the season. And we did two seasons of that and it was a lot of fun, but it was a massive amount of work. And so I kind of stopped doing the project because I was just like, this is just too much for me to, to do because it was mostly me doing it by myself. I had some people who helped, but it was me doing like, I wrote the back end part of it because we had like an automatic, there's like a, I wrote a system to automatically, um, like a Lua scripts that would go in all these emulators that would automatically submit or, um, submit the runs when they've completed it. And it would keep track of the timing on each of the runs. And it would, you know, automatically update like a leaderboard on the stream layout. And I got kind of fancy with it. I even eventually set up like video syncing. So like it would take the uh, input recordings that the people submitted. And I went, I had like a client on this other machine that would actually like print those into video. So we play them back on an emulator, make them to little videos and then upload them back again. And to the, to, and then the layout computer would play that video alongside of each person's attempt. And I added a little like marker in the corner, like the Lua script um, as the person was playing every time they reset, it would make a little like fiducial marker would appear in the corner. And then the stream, like the broadcast tool that I wrote would like, would find that little marker and it would sync up the video with them. So every time they restarted their run, you would see their, like their, their PB run also restart along with it. You know, people do this kind of right, thing right. now. Yeah. With, yeah. They build it into like live split or whatever. They use some sort of trigger for that kind of thing. But that's this was all that's incredible. It was a, yeah. Like thinking back, this is more complex than what speed gaming does now in its broadcast. But I wrote all this stuff and just cause I just needed stuff to, I just wanted stuff to do, you know, and I like, I wanted cool sure. projects to do. So I, I wrote all this, this things. And, but the thing that I got out of making that was this layout tool. I had this layout tool that I made that, um, for putting the show together. And after I got kind of like burnt out on doing the show, I'm like, well, I have this tool and I have this channel. Cause by then I had spawned the speed gaming channel just because Right. You know, it was, a little, it was different enough from the podcast content that I felt like it needed its own channel. So I'm like, all right, I got the tool, I got the channel. So I'm like, well, what else can I do with it? So I started looking around at, um, like right then, like around then tournaments were starting to kind of become a thing. This was still pre randomizer. Um, right. but, but a lot of the vanilla games like that were popular at the time, people started doing tournaments on SRL. And for the most part, people were either just not streaming like rebroadcasts of it. They were just sort of streaming their own channels, no commentary or anything. Or maybe someone would do an attempt of it, like a kind of a homebrewed sort of attempt at it, but it wouldn't be like any kind of consistent thing or on a consistent channel. And I'm like, well, why don't I take one of these tournaments and just ask if I can broadcast their matches? And so I took, I think Zelda 2 might have been the first one that I did because that was a game that I was familiar with so I could do the commentary. Mm-hmm. And I just like in OB, actually I was using, I would be using OBS, but like back at the time I was actually using XSplit, I think, because for whatever reason I had a license to it and I kind of liked it better. But anyway, okay. basically I, I made up a scene just myself capturing from the two Twitch streams uh, and then using this little like layout tool that I had made to, to um, kind of draw the rest of it, like the speed gaming or the um, speed gaming league layout tool i kind of modified it so that i could add sort of a generic like a a picture that i could change so for zelda 2 i could get a zelda 2 themed background and i sort of started doing this um just myself uh and commentating the matches and that was a big hit people really liked it and uh, i tried some for some other games and eventually it kind of got to the point where people started coming to me and asking you know hey do do our tournament as well and (laughs) that's awesome yeah this is like tournaments are really starting to blow up it's like all at once people realize that not only because people have been racing pretty steadily on 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 um, speedruns live it was a pretty popular thing yeah. to do but they weren't really doing tournaments there were only maybe a two or three tournaments that i knew of prior to let's say 2015 or something 2014 2015 like that's when tournaments really started to blow up though like suddenly there was a tournament for everything and then as the randomizer started to become popular there was even more of them because like randomizer was just asking for a tournament (laughs) to to be done, you know? So we started doing that and I modified the 
layout tool a little bit so that it was also a video mixer tool. So I didn't have to do like capture, like screen capture Twitch streams, like in my browser, you know, I just wanted something that worked a little bit better than that. So I kind of wrote those tools. Um, I was still for the longest time though, actually running all the broadcasts myself though. So that was a, a very big thing that kind of took up a lot of my time. And it was probably one of the reasons why I kind of stopped speed running. So sometime around 2017, like I started to sort of taper off how much I was streaming like my own speed running and spent more and more time doing broadcasts. But then eventually over the next couple of years, I um, wrote in a lot of automation so that like I could program in the schedule and like it would automatically start the broadcast up and load up the players and things. So I didn't have to do so much by hand and I could actually like allow someone else to remotely control it. So if I wasn't going to work on it, I could have somebody else who I trust like do it and they wouldn't have to be at my house to be able to do the recording and whatnot. That's pretty awesome. So I, I guess like starting all this up, you know, you kind of went through a whole lot there, but yeah. with starting with starting it, um, I, I guess your goal, I mean, given how big speed gaming is now, uh, I assume that was never really on your radar based on what you were saying. It was kind of just like a passion project at that time because it was fun, right? Yeah, I think because it was fun and because it was new. Like I really like my obsession was just doing things that nobody was doing. Like it seemed to me, you know, I like it, like if there was an idea that I thought would be something new and people go, oh, wow, that's like, that's just a cool thing that didn't exist before. Like, that's all I cared about. I didn't, didn't, wasn't important to me if it was, you know, sustainable. It wasn't important to me if it was profitable. It wasn't important to me if it was, you know, appealing to a lot of people. I just wanted to like make something that would be very like different and useful for like somebody. Sure. Yeah. That makes total sense. Um, I, I guess now here in 2023, like, you know, what's, what's the most vital part of speed gaming success and its operation? Mm, the staff, hundred percent, the, 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 like every single day, Rick Adirondack, Rick, every single day he takes, uh, eight channels worth of, I mean, eight channels worth of like, of, of, of like Google calendars. And he like figures out what can I put, you know, what can I put where so we can pack these things together and everyone has every single day for what, five years. That's what that man has done. And wow, that's off to him. Like amazing. Uh, we, you know, Ms. Metroid manages um, so many of our tournaments and manages the other people who manage the people who manage the tournaments and always keeping track of what's going on. Um, T Sigma does so much stuff on the back end. Like I'm, you know, a technical guy, but, uh, when I see what happens when a real technical guy sits down and works on these things, I don't feel like a technical guy anymore. So it's <laughs> nice to have him, uh, the, just the whole, like, I, I hate to just like name some people without naming everyone. Um, Keiku man show you every single match that is a, he's our VOD manager, every single match everywhere needs to get highlighted and it needs to get uh, moved onto YouTube and it needs to get the proper thumbnail and it needs to get added to a playlist. And that's all manual because YouTube does not want to have that kind of API access for people to do things like that. So sure. all this stuff is done manually. Yeah. Keiko Manchuri does that. And uh, Troy of Athens does highlighting, uh, does the Twitch highlighting. And yeah, we just have uh, an amazing staff. Like this is a hundred percent. It's these people who make, um, speed gaming happen. That's what makes it all run smoothly. That's awesome to hear. And I, I mean, I, I've kind of worked with, you know, a lot of those people and I can't attest to how awesome they are and, you know, how I, I guess reliable is probably another word to use um, because, you know, you, you ha- I feel like you have to have very reliable people in that type of role uh, in, in an operation like this. Yeah, you do. And because uh, yeah, we, we run every day, we run every single day for basically the whole day. And you know, what a, it was a huge, like when we even started having staff members besides just me, like it was a a huge change. Cause I was, it was at the point where, you know, I'd wake up in the morning, I would have to process, you know, 15 to 20, like different discord messages or from people 
who needed right. something done or needed something set up. I would work on, oh God, getting all the artwork and stuff ready for new tournaments or thumbnails for videos and things like that. And then the broadcasts would begin and I'd do the broadcasts all day. And it was just like all I did. And it was, uh, um, it was a lot. So finally being able to like have other people that I could rely on to hand off some of these tasks really helped, uh, helped me to, and it helped speed gaming to, to grow because I could actually focus on doing things that moved us forward and, you know, getting some new ideas into the mix. And uh, well, speaking of, of new ideas, I think that's a great segue. So, uh, in 2018, uh, I, I that was kind of when I got into the, the speed running and randomizer racing, you know, craze. Um, so I remember in the summer of 2018, speed gaming had an online cash price tournament for ALTTPR or link to the past randomizer. And I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if it was just that game or if there was, there were other games involved. Um, but was that kind of the inception of, of, of speed gaming live? Maybe like, tell me, tell me a little bit of that thought process of how that all came to be. Yeah. So let's see the, the, this is would have been like January of 2018. Okay. I think you're talking about the online link to the past tournament, not a, not, yeah, there not was a, it wasn't the in person. person. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah there no, was an online mean. one. I think oh, that it was you, you guys gave me prizes. Yeah. It was like December of 2017, January of 2018. We did like this two month blitz. Okay. Of, um, we picked, I think four games that were particularly popular um, and we did cash tournaments of them. The incentive behind that is we actually got a small grant from Twitch. This was at the, I mean, Twitch doesn't, this is less common a thing to do, but at that time um, Twitch was really trying to build up its presence and its speed running community. And um, this is when okay. uh, Sinister One was, um, sort of the manager for speedrun community working when, when he was working for Twitch. And so he worked really hard to like find different ways to, to sort of like, you know, provide some stimulus to the speedrun community and sort of build it up. And so this is an idea that he and I had talked about. We were like, what if we did like, we do plenty of tournaments, but what if we did like a cash prize tournament? Like let's actually get a little prize pool together and, and do this. Sure. And, um, and I was like, okay, great. And I like put together a proposal. So if I could get a little bit of a cash prize to do some tournaments, how would I do it? You know? And I, so I picked out, we picked out a couple of games that were kind of popular and obviously linked to the past randomizer is one of them that would have been, you know, the, maybe the most popular speed running game at that time. I mean, maybe it still is, but um, for at least for competition purposes, but like at that time, that was definitely it. So I, we picked that and I think we did super Metroid and I cannot okay. remember what the other two games were, but we did a couple of games and then we had some sort of like side things that we did as well. Some sort of like secondary things that weren't full on tournaments. Uh, and we wanted to just pack it all together in like a two month block where we did all these things. And so that was this huge, we did this kind of huge push and um, that's when speed gaming really jumped up. Cause at that point we didn't really have multiple channels. We had speed gaming. And I think at some point I made a speed gaming too, but we weren't really using it much. But when we launched that initiative, that's when I hired all the staff members. That's when the staff members joined us. That's when we made speed gamings three and four. So we went up to four speed gamings. That's when I bought several more computers and set up the first version of our data center. Um, okay. Yeah, that was really the big, the like that was a huge, uh, a huge like sea change for us at speed gaming. Uh, and it was all just motivated by, you know, me and sinister one talking to each other and being like, well, what would you like, what's the next step? Like what, like how do we build mm -hmm. up the hype in the speed center community? Like what is the next step for us? And I'm like, okay, how about these tournaments that have cash prizes? And we do like a real like professional looking job with them, or at least as close as, you know, I could get at that time. So yeah, that was sort of the, the, the goal there. So I, I guess, you know, with the success of the, the online tournament that you guys did, uh, was that kind of the inspiration uh, for the in-person event to try and do something like that? Maybe kind of rekindle a little bit of that like GDQ magic feel, uh, but with tournaments? Yes, yes. It was not quite a straight line to that, but it was, that was definitely the first step in the process because like after that, yeah, we were, 
um, again, it was me and, and Sinister One talking like, all right, now that we've done this, this is pretty successful. Uh, and I think it really was successful. Like our viewership numbers were cr- like just crazy. They jumped crazy during that time mm-hmm. um, to a point where, I mean, there's, we may have even hit our like channel high at that point. I don't know. We, maybe we've beat the wow. number since then, but like it was, it was a huge, it was just, it was like just a huge jump. And, and uh, I don't know, we did, we weren't even sure where it all came from. It was just kind of nuts. But, um, but we were like, all right, so what's like, what's the logical next step here? And we started to think about, okay, what would be, um, what would be like a good, like in-person way of doing this? Could we do this in like on site someplace? And I don't know, it kind of like kicked back and forth a bunch of different ideas and a bunch of different formats. And I mean, there was a lot of, there's a couple versions of like this idea of speed run Olympics. And we're kind of trying to kind of trying to, uh, use like the Olympics model or, you know, make something that kind of resembles that, which I don't know, like even that's not a very well-defined concept, but I mean, (laughs) we, we tried a bunch of different things and and we also tried a thing where it's, or we also thought about like, kicked around some ideas. We're like, what if we tried a, a thing where we like, people have to like learn a new game and do it. Like we tried, thought about a whole bunch of things before just trying to say, you know, trying to eventually landing on this idea of, well, instead of trying to get too nuts with the format, what if we just did the thing that we are good at doing now and just did it from a live location? Like, what if we just do the same tournaments, the kind of tournaments that we, you know, have become bread and butter, but we just, we just do them like in person. Sure. And that ended up being, you know, the, the nice, like, you know, the n- nice way to do it. I thought and the, uh, and so for that, we, we started, uh, speed gaming live there, the very first one, um, we were able to get a small grant from Twitch. Um, it ended up only being enough to pay for a little bit of some of the equipment that we used. So it wasn't, uh, you know, huge, but it was paid for some of the equipment we used, uh, or that we, that we bought rather. And right. So it got, and it got, it took care of the the prizes for the first year, the, uh, the, the prize bonuses, those, that, which didn't come from the crowdfunding, but like it was, it was my idea and sort of my, my desire to like get the community involved to do the, to do the crowdfunding aspect of it. So like the, I, 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 I figured that there, it was just like the, the best way to do this prize funding wasn't to try to just have me like try to guess which games people are going to be excited about. You know, I wanted to kind of leave it open and make it a little bit, um, I won't say democratic. Cause I mean, using money to decide like what's more popular <laughs> is never, sure. never really, sure. it's not exactly democracy, but it is something. Okay. Well, it's, it's people didn't some, have a say in some, right. in some form. You yeah. do have a say in some form. Exactly. So uh, the, the idea is the community should come up with what games, although for the very first event, we just, because no one knew what it was yet for the very first one, I, we just ended up picking the games because we wanted to just pick them based on what, you know, based on we, you know, did we know somebody in that community who we trusted to help us be an admin or was it a game that members of our staff members of speaking staff were familiar with enough that they could run it themselves. And like, what games are we going to pick? So we can get a little variety that we can get people, you know, from all across the spectrum to want to show up to it. But we, as far as like, which ones were going to be the, the big games and which ones are going to be little games. Like we just, we left that up to the, the crowdfunding angles. So basically my idea was that we like whatever amount of, prize money we were able to budget to put into the prizes was like the best way to use it would be in a way that generates more prize money. So instead of just saying we're going to, the prize for this game is going to be this amount of money that I'm putting in the prize for that game is going to be that amount. I said, well, what if we use the prizes as like a bonus and we just say whichever, like the, the three games that get the most, um, public funding, most crowdfunding will put a big bonus into then the next like five games that get the next most, you know, amount of crowdfunding will put some, some slightly smaller bonuses and then all the rest of them will put some smaller bonuses in and kind of create some, some like incentive within the communities for like people to, to sort of donate, to kind of push their game up. 
And it ended up working. So we got sort of an amplification factor out of our prize money of, you know, kind of varies from year to year, but it's, you know, like a five to one uh, amplification on the money that we're able to put in, you know, uh, and so that ended up working out pretty well. And then, so after the first year, then we just, we opened it up to all games. It doesn't have to be, you know, just the games that we pick out. So we let people also nominate games and not just vote for games that were already chosen. So. Sure. That makes sense. So, you know, with an event like this, you know, we're, we're about to be on, you know, the cusp of the third year of the in-person event. You know, we had the the two online years only. Mm -hmm. Um, What, you know, what does a typical day look like for you at an event like this? Because I know there's so many moving pieces that, have to be done. You know, a lot of the the people who visit the event and, you know, come don't really, you know, see this. They just kind of see everything work. So for you, what is, what's a day like, um, at, at speed gaming live? Um, I mean, for me, I, I, you know, get up seven o'clock and go over to the rooms, get them open get, make sure the machines are all booted up and everything is on. And then I basically go from broadcast station to broadcast station. Last year we were broadcasting on five different channels. So we had five mm-hmm. stream setups and I just kind of bounce from one to the other and see where I'm needed because that's probably the most technical thing there. So that's the thing that needs me. Um, so I just kind of bounce between the broadcast stations and then uh, you know, every 10, 15 minutes, someone comes to be, and there's a problem somewhere that needs my attention. And I go do that. And then I come sure. back and broadcast, you know, work on broadcasting again. So that's what my day looks like. Um, but we have, um, basically we'll, we'll, it'll probably be the same this year. There'll probably also be five, uh, five broadcast rigs. Um, but basically you have, uh, up to five pairs of people doing matches that are being broadcast. Um, and those okay. are the rooms where you'll find me. Then we also have a big room where people who are not being broadcast do their matches because there's obviously way, way, way more matches happening than we're able to get put onto channels sure. uh, and find commentators for and such. And so, um, people go in there and you just, it's <laughs> really exciting, but it's sort of like taking a test. You go to a big room and you say, okay, here I am. This is me. They, they look for you in the ledger and they're like, okay, yep. They give you your seed, they give you your part, they give your opponent the seed and they say, okay, you sit here, other person sits there and, you know, go ahead. I'm going to, we'll give you the countdown. And when you're all finished, the person who wins, raise your hand, you know, when you finish. And we have um, some proctors kind of walking around that are like making sure that everyone's minding their own business and they pay attention when people's hands go up to say they finished. And so... That's, that's where a lot of the matches take place. Um, and it's actually kind of nice, I think, for a lot of people to just, because it's a nice chill, it's quiet, everyone's focused, everyone's doing their own thing. It's like, it should be ideally low, low distraction. So it's kind of, just kind of a nice, you know, calm way to, to be doing a, your, your, your match. And so a lot of the matches go that way, but um, the ones that we broadcast and put commentators on, you know, you get a little, you get a little like, subdivision of our broadcast room where we have an audience seats and you have the two players up on a stage and we have a, um, like a, you know, projector screen where the audience can watch it. And then we have a commentator booth where we have, um, commentators commentating and the players are wearing like, a like white noise headphones, like over, over their earbuds. So like you, you wear like earbud headphones that are playing your game audio and then we put these big over the ear headphones on that are playing just like a, like a white noise sound to drown out, you know, what's going on in the room. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to work surprisingly well. I was mega skeptical when we started this, this <laughs> process that this is not going to work. Um, but like, we've never had a, a problem with it. Like it, no one is, as no one, as far as we know, no one has had anything like spoiled or like, you know, gotten an advantage. Like at worst, like you can hear if like the crowd just like shrieks because something crazy happened, like maybe you hear that, but that doesn't exactly tell you what's going on. Yeah. You have to kind of, you know, have some assumptions there, but you Mm -hmm. know, (laughs) yeah. So with, you know, with an event that's as massive as this, uh, as far as like the undertaking, 
clearly you have a big passion for the speedrunning community. Uh, what what's your favorite part about this type of event? <sighs> I like by maybe the third day when the kinks have all been worked out, all the setup has been done, like broadcasts are going, everyone knows what they're supposed to do. I like the kind of calm that comes from like kind of being in the groove of it. Like we've got, we've got it worked out. It's happening. Like nothing else can go wrong. Like, you know, as far as like getting things ready, obviously right, something right. can go wrong at any time, but like, you know, the, all the, like the loose ends have been tied up and now we're just doing it. And it's it that I like that. And like, just looking around and just seeing people just like having fun. Like last year, I loved watching people just kind of hanging out in the, in the lobby, talking with each other. I liked watch, you know, watching people in the audience, just chatting and having fun. I just like seeing people and, and knowing like, that person's having a great time and they're there because I decided to do this. Like, this is just a crazy idea and it actually worked. And now here's people having fun. Like, I love that part. Just, just seeing people there, just, just being there. Right. So I guess th that may be the answer to my next question, but you know, <laughs> um, like, is that, is that the, the reason you keep shouldering what I, I would call like this massive undertaking for so many different communities, every, you know, every year? Yeah, I'd say so. It's yes. I, it's well, yeah. I mean, the thing is like, I, a lot of the reason is just like, I want, it's sort of like when you, you are trying to beat your PB and you just keep going and going, like part of it is just to see like how good you could, you can get it, you know? So like speed gaming live, I keep, I mean, part of it is that I like, you know, watching everyone, as I said, but also like I want to, like in my mind, I'm like, this is, I can get 500 people to show up to this. I can get a thousand people to show up to this. I can get, you know, mm -hmm. 2000 people. Like, you know, I, we're not, you know, we're not at that point yet, but right. But like I, every year I'm, I'm, th I think, you know, we can, we can do like, we can get more, we can get more people to show up in this. We can get this whole hotel. I want to rent this whole hotel. I want to have eight broadcast stations. I want to have like two marathons. I want to have like a, you know, a community room where we do like everyone records their podcasts. Like, and I, I just like, I want to like, I want to just take over this whole hotel. You know, I, I don't know. So part of it is, is, you know, just the, you know, the joy of doing it. And part of it, it's like, you know, how good can I get this thing? Like, what can I do with this? You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, it's, it's exciting. Cause I want to, I just want to see, I like seeing it grow. Like, that's what I want to see is like, how much can I grow this? Like, is this, like this, I feel like if I can get the format locked in and get the logistics figured out and, you know, just nail all these other aspects of it that are so hard with, with running an event, um, I just feel like I can make it so good. Yeah. And I mean, I can speak, you know, from the ALTTPR side that there's definitely a massive uptick of people who are saying I'm coming to this event. They may not have signed up for the tournament, <laughs> but like they're in the they're They've bought a badge they're They've come into the event. Cool. They've got a hotel room booked. So like from my, my perspective, you know, I was there in 2019 and I was there last year, going to be there again this year. I, I it, it makes me excited, you know, to see an event kind of like this grow. Um, and I mean, it, I, I'm assuming it, you know, it's exciting for you guys as well, because, you know, this is obviously something you want to see succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, people like the, if you want to support the event, absolutely the best, the best way is buy a ticket. Like all the things you could do, like just buy a ticket and show up. Like just be there because more tickets we sell, like six, like tickets are the number one way that we actually are able to pay for this or that we mm -hmm. are able to approach being able to pay for it. It's, um, it tickets the number one way. And then, and I've, and the more like hotel rooms we're able to book or the, then the, you know, the bigger our reservation can be next sure. year, which gives us, you know, which, you know, basically makes the hotel give us better deals. So oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Best thing you can do is buy a ticket and get a hotel room like that's and spread the word and tell other people to buy tickets and show up like the best way to support the event is just to go to it. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, well, thank you for sharing all this. Uh, I do have three questions that I normally like to ask everybody just to kind of give them something to close out with. I might have to modify them a little bit for you since I know you're not, you know, a big ALTTPR runner. Um, but we'll start I ran with some ALTTPR. I, um, Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, there was, 
couple, I don't know, for there's some various like Zelda, like 2D Zelda multi-game races that I participated in back in the SRL days. And okay. at some point I learned the route for uh, the YBA route, um, which I think has been either obsoleted or it's been subsumed by some other rule set. Okay. Uh, yeah, basically getting jars and standing in doorways and trying to do things at the moment of screen transition and zipping around and then <laughs> going to Death Mountain and collecting, running back and forth over one spot until you collect a bunch of rupees from God knows where. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, d- I did that, and I also speed ran the whole game for a bit, but never really at a high, very high level. But the vanilla game, I was not into... Sure. I, I was out of that game by the time randomizer became big, but I have run regularly to the past. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, so uh, first out of three questions, um, what is your most embarrassing moment in speedrunning that you're willing to share? Most embarrassing moment in speedrunning. Um, gosh. Uh, so the game deadly towers for the NES, the game is, it's very fragile. It's a glass cannon speed run. There's, so little like if you're not getting any protective items it's so dangerous and the game Mm -hmm. begins with this like 10 minute long grind it is so boring and i'm almost like so boring i'm almost embarrassed to even do it in a gdq because but uh you know because it's like hey check out this awesome game actually no don't check it out just watch me walk back and forth in this one (laughs) spot for 10 straight minutes while i talk about how cool the game is going to be once that the run actually starts so I did that and then I like immediately died right afterwards. And then I had to go and do the grind all over again. Oh no. That was pretty <laughs> terrible. Um, that was in this, yeah, in, in a, in an AGDQ run. So that was, I, I don't know if like hard to say most embarrassing, but like that's sure a candidate for it. I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Especially after, you know, talking about how, how, how great it's about to be. Oh, yeah, and this then, is going to be great. <laughs> and I die. So. Well, thanks yeah. for sharing that one. Um, <laughs> sure. I usually ask people what their favorite MSU pack is with the custom music for ALTTPR. So I'll, I'll kind of modify it. Uh, what's your favorite video game OST? Video game OST? Oh man, this goes, this just, cha- this changes depending on when you ask me. Right now, I've been playing uh, an NES game called The Battle of Olympus. And okay. that music absolutely slaps. I love, I just love that game to death. And the music is just so good. I can't help myself when I, like sometimes I just turn it on the title screen and I just leave it on because I just want to hear the title screen music. But yeah, I like, can't help myself like sing. I'm singing that song as I walk around the house, like the songs from the, the game. Like it's, yeah, Battle of Olympus, I'll say right now is my favorite OST right now. Okay, awesome. Uh, and lastly, so if you had to lose all of your gaming memories, but you're allowed to keep one of them, uh, which one would you keep and why? Hmm. Mm, not sure. Uh, I mean, I, I know it's a hard all, question. <laughs> there's all kinds of different answers. This here's one. Here's one reasonable answer. I think my favorite. Like I don't know, it's my favorite, but one of my favorite memories that I have of speed running was back in like 2012, 2013, like 2011, 12, and 13. Uh, I was really active in the Super Mario World speed running community, and we um, we had an IRC channel on the Speedruns Live server, uh, number SMW. Uh, you mm-hmm. have to call the pound sign number if you're a member of the SMW community from that day and age. Uh, that's an Andrew G reference, but, um, so we, we were, that was our little, like our little kingdom in there. We were just like constantly talking about super Mario world, constantly playing super Mario world. And that was like, it was just the place to be the SNW channel. And I loved all the, like hanging out in there. And I loved, um, just all the races we would race constantly. And there was just a huge, just huge competition between a couple of us to just like get the, to be the best we could at that game. And, Oh, I remember just grinding out um, a 96 exit run uh, because I was trying to beat Dramon Minion at the time. Um, and I don't know, I managed to, never quite managed to get there a 96 exit. I had some good spots. I, I could get to like third place. I never got above third place on that leaderboard, but, you know, I did uh, a 96 exit, but I did a little better in some of the other categories. But yeah, basically that time, just hanging out with the Super Mario World people like discovering new stuff and plotting like 
route changes and kind of competing sure. with them. I loved it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing those. Beasel, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I, I feel like we just mainly scratched the surface of, you know, your history, speed gaming and, and speed gaming live. But uh, I do want to be respectful of your time. So thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for, for, you know, bringing back all these memories. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, looking forward to seeing you and others uh, November 9th through 12th uh, in Herndon, Virginia for, for Speed Game in Life 2023. Yep, that's it. All right. Well, this has been Feasel on the Spoiler Log. Once again, a huge thanks to Feasel for coming on. It was an absolute blast on my end. Also, a huge thanks to you guys who may be here literally every episode or some of you guys who may be here for the very first time. One last thing I do want to say about Speed Gaming Live. If you are there and you're going to be enjoying the event, maybe take some time out. If you have a good time, if you see Feasel and he's not in the middle of something and you can, you know, politely talk to him without uh, interrupting him, I'd say tell him thanks because... This event is very special to me. It's very special to a lot of people. And I know it's very special to him as well. So if you feel that same way after coming this year, be sure to let him know. I think that would be a really good thing to kind of express to him. As far as upcoming episodes here on Spoiler Log, like I said, we're going to be trying to do some on-site stuff for Speed Gaming Live. I'm going to try and upload some things daily. We'll see how that goes. It could just be too short one day and we'll combine it all up we may just do mini episodes like 15 minutes if that's all i've got so we'll see how it goes hope you guys will be ready for that once we get back i'm gonna try and shoot for two ish weeks for another episode uh, for another like mainline episode but we will see how things go appreciate you guys being here again hope to see most of you at speed gaming live in a couple weeks but until then take care everybody mm-hmm.